Tell me that this is it. Tell me this is it. Is it, are we on? <laughs> Uh, is this running? <laughs> Hi there, it's Fishing Friday and it's definitely Erdinger time. I'm five minutes late. I should be booed. I hear the booze. He's late again. That was a really... <laughs> I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Well, I'm okay now. Okay. So, well, welcome back to whatever week is, is this and the endless cycle of lockdown punctuated by the extreme fish and Friday thing. I was like, I really do. I look forward to it and then it catches me. It was like, you know, yesterday, I kind of forgot which day it is, you know, that thing where you just forget what day you're actually in. And I'm going, it's Friday, it's tonight, it's tonight. And then I go over that, and then this morning, twice this morning, I woke up thinking about it, and then it was like twice this afternoon, I've kind of gone, what time is it? Because I've just been losing myself. David Crean, hi, good evening, Chris Harris. Hooray, good evening. Sorry, I never, um, I never put a message up saying, this Friday, oh, I'll be back. I did say I'll be back every Friday. But um, I didn't put a post up uh, this week because... Um, I'm actually changing it from the Chocolate Frog Record Company Limited to Blue Arse Fly Record Company. It's because um, that's what it's been like this week. It's just been, you know, we're supposed to be in lockdown and it's all, you know, quiet and just chill out and find things to do. It's just been nuts here this last week. Nuts. Um, the album is done. Well, the recording is done. The, kind of, this, the first big mountain is kind of, it's there. And on Monday, I will get the, the CDs. I will get CDs from Callum Malcolm, which will have the fully finished, mixed, mastered tracks in running order, everything all done. And I'm so looking forward to it. Um, the other night on, on, I think it was, was it Wednesday night? Yeah, Wednesday night was kind of, when it was, I was up to, I was working till nine, 10 o'clock in the office and it was doing all the codes and the metadata and all the bureaucracy that kind of goes around um, albums. You know, you, you got to register songs and register recordings and things and, and stuff. And it was just at that moment, Callum and I would, we'd been working with, with Grace of God and because um, I'm not a musician, I work in colours and themes. Uh, uh. And grace of God, when I first heard, when, when Callum sent me the first version of, of the, the kind of finished album with kind of rough sounds and, and things, when I first heard it, I just thought it went, went on too long and I was a bit, it was just, um, it just felt like it was too long and there was 10 roundels of this particular chorus at the end, it was 10 roundels. And we cut it back to eight and at first, it, we didn't seem to 
work, but Callum on the other night just finally twigged it and moved a couple of things round in the end section so that it just flowed and it was perfect. And when I just went, that, that's it, it's, it's done, it's done. And that was the very last track and the remix of um, Man With A Stick is fantastic. And Callum's also twigged, uh, uh, he's twigged the mixes on uh, Little Man. Waverly Steps is a complete remix. It's uh, just a, such a different vibe. And um, tonight, I'm not sure what to play, to be honest. I've got a great version of This Party's Over, because that's been redone. And there was a lot of requests in the last couple of weeks for This Party's Over. So I think I might, I'll play that and then just see what you think. See where we go. You know? but, um, but it's been, it's not just me. I mean, uh, oh, God, that's good. It's not just me. Simona's been running for feet. She's been an absolute dynamic angel this, this whole week because the, the new mail order service came in. It has been up and running because we just wanted a, a kind of like a soft entry to it because it, it's, um, it's a whole new learning curve for Simona. And I didn't want to go up and go, it's now open, it's now open and have lots of people you know, ordering shirts and trying to order stuff. So we thought, let's just open it up and see. And there have been a couple of little things where it's all been dealt with on the phone while someone has taken things down. So it's been, she's been very hard at it all week on this massive curve. And, you know, I've been through in my side of the office dealing with all the codes and metadata and last mixes and five to one mixes and detail. And someone has been through there dealing with like, Canadian postal stuff and size of envelopes and stock levels that were wrong and how do we get this and stickers. It's been, like I said, blue ass fly promotions. And, um, but we're here. Um, I have to say, I, well, I and, 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 and why sinned? Well, really, I've sinned in the last week. I don't feel particularly bad about it. Um, number one was on, on Saturday night. Um, we'd been given a bottle of red wine by uh, Simona's best friend, Angela, across in uh, Durlach. And it was coming up to that point where I thought, you know what, I'll get a, a decent bottle of wine. And I bought a really expensive bottle of wine down at the supermarket. And it was, um, I can't remember what it was. It was red. <laughs> it was really very nice. Very, very nice. And, um, San Emilio. It was a San Emilio. And uh, we decided on the Saturday night, you know what, we've done five months, let's just have a crack. And we opened up, the Samuelian was absolutely beautiful. And we were really well behaved. You know, we didn't go kind of go, it was like sipping it. And it was the, the, it was the longest bottle of red wine I can remember drinking for a very long time. <laughs> and, uh, and it was great. And then we had the one from Durlac after it, which wasn't so great. And at the end of it, we kind of went, why, why did we do that? And, uh, and it was interesting, we've not, we're not, bothered since but it was uh so that was one of those things another one i did which was uh maybe even worse than somebody's notebooks i purchased plump vegetables some of you will be going what's plug vegetables eh? plug vegetables are, are, are basically seeds that have been sown and they've been grown up to a certain height so they're, they're basically kind of above seedlings they're called plug plants and i realized um uh I realised last week that 
I'd completely forgotten. The weeks are going by. Everybody else is out there, or it seems that everybody else is out there getting their gardens fixed up and planting this and screaming for compost and going, uh, my God, my tomatoes, my tomatoes, I've left them late. And I was too busy with the album and listening to stuff and all the rest of it. And I've forgotten, I missed one of the cycles, right? Which was basically Malik's and Brassica's, which is to you, cabbage and stuff, right? And I had to buy plug plants and I felt dirty buying plug plants because I should have grown them myself. I had all the seed. I've got a shitload of uh, uh, seed compost out there. And it's like, it's, I missed it, the whole bit. I got my tomatoes, my chilies, everything else, but I missed this big cycle. And so I had to buy leeks and brassicas, and which was cabbages, cauliflowers, uh, Savoy cabbages, Brussels sprouts. And yeah, I think that was it. And then there was a bunch of prayers like, and just to torture me, right? It was like every day, you know, I'm going like, oh no, I've got to get on with this. And I'm in the middle of doing a code and it'd be ding dong. And then there'd be the Amazon guy out there with a, with a camera, right? Way to take the photographs. And it's like, it's going to be a hoot. I think at the end of lockdown, I think there'll probably be, there's bound to be a special page on an Amazon, on an Amazon site where it's like, you know, you know, famous people in the dressing gowns, part 56, right? And, you know, the number of times I've been photographed, this is your package, you know, and it's dressing gown, three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, so Amazon, ding dong, and then it's like live plants, you know, deal with immediately. Don't mess about, plant immediately, they're going to die, right? <laughs> it's these little bags and buckets, uh, packets of guilt come through, right? And uh, of course, it was it was always you know, when you're in the middle of codes, you're in the middle of mix, ding dong, photograph, you got your package, right? And then at the end of the day, or at some point, I've got to go out, and you know, one of the days I was like, listen, I mix and ran out, and I had thirty perennial plugs that I got on a deal from some site for nine quid, right? And then I had twelve Brussels sprouts, six kale, uh, and then I think it was. 12 each of three different cabbages and they all had to be taken out of their containers and these little plants had to be put in seven centimeter pots with compost last night i was out till nine o'clock and i was actually sitting in the rain at the little table outside putting plants in because it was like every day it's like you know 30 brassicas arrive or like perennials or phlox plants that you bought so so my two sins i had a bottle of wine last week and I bought plug plants rather than growing them like a good gardener should. Uh, so, but anyway, apart from that, it's been a great week. I mean, it's been uh, it's been full on, and we've been accomplishing a lot. Um, gardener Remembrance as the next release is moving back, and here we go. Gardener Remembrance is going to be released on the twenty fourth of July, and. That is the same day that the Velschmerz album will open up for pre-order. We'll have everything, we'll know where everything is, we'll have all the pieces away, we're gonna have a good idea when it's coming back. So the 24th of July, the launch of Gardener Remembrance to radio and everywhere else. And it's also the first day of pre-order of Velschmerz. And that is why we are getting this mail order thing completely ungremlined and ironed out and fine-tuned so that we've got know that everything is working 
absolutely 110% properly, no hassles, etc, etc. So there we are. 24th of July, the next big one. Um, John Walters, so do I, <laughs> but I can't. Um, Scott Leon, I cast you out. Nico Slob, hi, Mark Palmer, Deeks Leaks, Tom Smolinski, hello from Boston, Sue Williamson, Fran Schroeder, Chris Neal, I just said Neil, Chris Neal, it's like 24th of July. Uh, <laughs> John Ryman, hi, Ruel Regime, Regume, uh, Pablo Mongnol from Brazil, Beata Zibura from Poland, Sean Machel, have you sorted the fish and Friday designs yet, big man? No, I'm still waiting here back from my cartoonist with the uh, designs, but I think we're going to have a little while yet to get everything sorted out. Uh, Richard Rookie, good evening. Kevin Van Dort, live in Leamington Spa 12, that was great, so long ago. John, John V. Burger, birds ate all my grapes. That's what's written there, birds ate all my grapes. Yeah, I've got the vine in the, the greenhouse, it's got great guns. It's like, not quite there for the fishy, fishy vineyard yet, but like, you know, we probably get about a cup, right? Or a large goblet. Right, okay, a couple of things. I want to say thank you uh, to Mark Scott from Sheffield. Um, he gave me a book called Wargraves. Uh, War, sorry, not Wargraves, War Gardens. Have I got it? Yeah, I've got to show you this. Hang on. I've just started reading this. It's a really cool book. It's A Journey Through Conflict in Search of Cam by Lalage Snow. And it's uh, all about... Oh, you can't see it because it's reversed. It's, it's a... You see the guy. Is that the right way to hold a book? I can't remember. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that. Uh, War Gardens. So, um... So, War Gardens. That was Mark Scott from Sheffield. Thanks. It's really interesting. I've just started on this. And, uh, the other one is Eddie Clock. Eddie was in the hospital with me where the, the first time I got sepsis proper. And he was a, a great, great companion in the world. He was a brilliant geezer and we became really good friends. And I call him Eddie Clock because he fixes clocks amongst many, many other things. And he's fixing my mother's grandmother's clock, if you got that one. It's called a grandmother's clock because it's not a grandfather clock, it's a grandmother clock that belongs to my mother. So it's my mother's grandmother's clock. <laughs> So anyway, Eddie Clock. Hi, Eddie. And, it's, uh, and Eddie gave me this book he was talking about in the hospital, and I'm also reading this as well. I'm reading two at the same time. Not at the same time, but like, you know, I kind of float between the two books. Ain't that clever? And it's by Robert Tressel, and it's called The Ragged Trousered Philanthropist. The Ragged Trousered Philanthropist. It's a good album title, that. And, um, but not if you were drunk. Unless you were in Marillion. Marillion, The Ragged Trousered Philanthropist. Great name. Robert Tressel, it's a really, it's a very heavy book, but um, uh, politics. Uh, I'm not, um, I said last week, you know, and I've been, I'll be quite open, I don't really want to get into politics here because it says, kind of, you aren't in Hyde Park and this is the soapbox, and it's that. Uh, we've all got our own views and stuff, but you know, some things you can't help but kind of talking about. And, Last week I mentioned uh, Wallace Mercer who tried to take over Hearts and uh, 
Um, I'd compared him with Trump and been slightly derogatory about Trump, which I don't apologise for. And uh, I'd, I got a message, I always say the guy's name, right? And he goes, you know, I really try to keep following you, even though you hate America, which I don't. And you hate Trump because you don't stop talking about politics. I try not to talk about politics in here, that's politics in here. I just said, Donald Trump, I just don't like, I'm sorry. And he said, um, you have a lot of fans here that are Donald Trump supporters and you don't know the first thing about it. What am I talking about? Just piss off anyway, right off. So, sorry if I offended. But it's uh, certain things you won't change my mind on and I would be happy if we, you were in my presence to argue my points in a very Scottish manner. Right? And it's like, I do know a wee bit, but it's like I just try not to bring up, but that was the only nasty I got. So, apologise if you're upset, sort of. Well, I don't. Fish from California, hello. John Tanner, G. Hendricks, greetings from the Netherlands. Sue Williamson, we'll have to swap some veggies from our apples in the autumn. Yeah, apples, no chance. Our apples, straight into the, goes into the, we've got a beautiful kind of, a big press, a big Vigo press, and we make our own apple juice. And Liam, my stepson, is desperate because we, I've got a great big, great big, I think it's about 20 litres of cider that's been going since last year. And I don't know if it's going to be any good. And it might be great, it might be lethal, right? And my 17-year-old stepson is desperate to open it up and try it and see what it's like. But I kind of look at it, it's like lottery tickets. You know, when I buy a lottery ticket, I buy it on the Saturday and I won't check the numbers till at least Wednesday so that I've got maybe three days where I can have this little mini fantasy about, you know, what I could get and what I could do and, and things like that, you know, so it's a, it's a bit like that. So um, I've got to wish um, Gordon Cowan a very happy birthday. Uh, Jim, your dad, asked me to say hello to you, so happy birthday when it comes on Tuesday, Gordon. And yes, we will meet Easter Road someday, right? We don't know what's happening, but someday we will meet Easter Road, right? Uh, Helen and Mark, thank you. Helen and Mark, thank you very much for the rose. We have not found a position for it yet, but we shall find one. Uh, Joel, Beer and Liz, thank you very much for the flowers for, for my mum and, and ladies and stuff. It was very nice here. Um, Mark Buchanan, I got your message and... Okay. Right. Uh, so we've got to send some, some words, some messages to some of the people with their special code words. Um, Steve Vances, Marimba, Marimba. Uh, David Barris, Daffodil, Daffodil. And Mark Wilkinson has requested Beef Heart. Beef Heart. And those are the messages to our special units out in the field. Show Macho, absolute classic. Oh, the classic read, yeah, you know about this one. John Mullen, how many bottles have you got left from the original 96? Probably about 80 something, we've been pretty good. Yeah, John Waters, okay. Uh, Hi Fish, have you ever sang on the demo tapes that ended up in season's end? No, I didn't, it was all completely different stuff by then. Which runs me, that brings me into a question, right? It was well-timed, and it was always, my missus gave me that one. This is from Rebecca Mason, and 
She said, I love the song Beaujolais Day on the CAS Clutch of Straws remaster. Could you give us a bit of insight into the track and why it was dropped from the final uh, Clutch of Straws album? Um, that wasn't written for the Clutch of Straws album. That was written for the album that never was. Those, the, the, the tracks that are on that Clutch of Straws remaster, the Down the Glass sessions and things, they, they weren't from clutching the straws that was the stuff that we were trying to put together to move on and in fact my wife simona she heard a track uh i think it was um the barley uh fields of oh, i can't remember what it was. i don't even remember what they were called and it's um uh she said i've never heard where's this from what, what album is this off and i said it's not it was it was never made and what it was was i had a lot of different lyrics kicking around at the time because Rebecca actually points out, is it you that pointed out? She said, I know about the lyric cropped up on Just Good Friends and Fortunes of War. Yeah. The, the, the wheelchair whispering across the stale stagnant gymnasium, which I was a, a little series of lines that I loved. And they were all down in a, in a, a lyric book. So when we were kind of working around uh, stuff uh, down the Glare Castle and things, I was kind of going into my lyric book and just trying bits from my lyric book over what they'd done and some of them really worked. And, uh, and um, Beaujolais Day was a, a uh, I think, what's the line on it? I went to Morrison's grave at the Lashy Cemetery, uh, Witchy, I can't remember, Witchy turned into something were guiding me. Yeah, and it was about going to visit I went to the Lashy Cemetery, which is where Jim Morrison is buried. And uh, that was an amazing experience. And it was when we were out on a gig in Paris and I had some time just to go and see it. And I got a taxi down to the cemetery and went through. I had no idea where to go until you started seeing the Jim Morrison Mojo graffiti and then followed it. And then there was this really strange little kind of voodoo chamber. like and. Um, and as far as, you know, all the graves round about were all decorated and obviously Jim Morrison's grave. And I was, I was quite moved by it because I, I, I am a, a big fan of Jim Morrison. I used to really like him. Uh, I used to really like his poetry back in the early days of Marillion, uh, uh, back in 81, 82. And I had a great album, which if you try and get, if you're a Doors fan, or if you're a Doors fan, it's a really interesting kind of side bite. And it's called uh, American Prayer. And it's a lot of Jim Morrison tapes. And seemingly, uh, Jim Morrison was very prone to going into the studio when everybody else had gone home. He was going to the studio with his engineer and, you know, press, press record and just go in and, and do stream of consciousness stuff. And uh, a lot of it was recorded. And seemingly after he died, they went into some of these tapes and they found it. And I think it was Ray Manzarek actually put it together. But it's a, it's a really interesting album. And I, back in 19, I remember listening to it a lot in 1981 when I was in Aylesbury, in that first year when Diz Minute and I were sharing a flat. And, um, and that was, I kind of really got into the doors then. And the whole Jim Morrison thing, the, I think because he was a wordsmith, uh, or always seen as a wordsmith and, you know, a singer and because, and then later on, I really identified because he, he just didn't like the machine. And, you know, that was why he ended up going to Paris to escape the kind of, uh, the rock star stuff. And, uh, 
but I've, I've read some of his poetry books and they're, they're pretty good. Um, they are, the, the Doors stuff, I, I just loved. I mean, I think uh, The End was quite a big influence on me back there. I mean, I'd probably say The End had a, a touch and influence on, on Forgotten Sons in a way, um, which is another whole area. But I think it had a lot to do with, let's just say psychedelia and I was down in Aylesbury in 81, 82 and um, it was a very fun time. So that was kind of, that was Bosley Day, but the track itself, it was named Bosley Day, but as you pointed out, there's a lot of different lyrics on it because that was when I was just, basically got my lyric book out on the stand and I just read things or I'd hear things go, yeah, that works, I try stuff. And that one, there was a lot of sections in that worked, but it never formatted. And of course, I picked took my stuff off it and they took their stuff off it. And it's interesting, you know, when you hear, you know, I've, I've obviously listened to Season's End and, you know, there's a lot of things I hear on Season's End that are recognised as coming from the Down the Glass sessions in the same way as you can hear from the demos on the Down the Glass sessions from the lyrical standpoint. There was a lot of stuff that was around then. Big Wedge, Internal Exile, it was bits of State of Mind. And uh, and like we said, that the... the that lyric that was eventually used on Fortunes of War, I mean, that took, well, what's that? That took years. It was 94 before that really came together in, in that song. But I, re I remember writing that. I remember the, the whole occasion, you know, when sitting by the river at that time in America on that first American tour. I mean, that was where it all kind of came from-ish. But, um, so, there you go. Donna Waldron, Craving Tomatoes, Laughing Out Loud. Sean Mitchell, Was There Ever A Misplaced? Childhood 2 in the Pipeline with Marillion. Absolutely not. Right. Marcos Boeta Mondego, hello from Brazil. Jeff Cousins, welcome. Robert Bentley, Sh Shadows in the Barley, that was it. Yeah, thank you, Shadows in the Barley. Um, uh, Ilona Silas, hello, it's Germany. Good night, William Loch, watching from Conroe, Texas. Kevin Van Dott, The Doors, Stunning, Pierre Fontone, isn't Jim Morrison buried next to Edith Piaf? I think he is. I'm not very sure about that. But it's the Lashy Cemetery. If you're ever in Paris and you want a, a kind of a real Paris alternative thing, it's worth going down there. It's a fa I've, I was became really fascinated with the whole Jim Morrison story and what happened. And it was interesting to read just in the last year and a half a completely new retake on it, which was really interesting. But I'm not going into that here. Uh, Darius Wolf, holy crap, it is fish, laughing out loud. I honestly thought for a moment there is why Phil, why is Phil Collins doing a broadcast? Thank you very much. It's very nice of you. Uh, Deborah Bonland, didn't know you went to doors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Jarek, oh, no, 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 don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. Oh, what's the. David Bell, Graham Hookin, Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, two beards share the same style and colour. White. It's a bit, I don't know why you, It's like, see when you go in the barbers now, it's like before you used to go in and you, you, you go and you'd be sitting there and then you'd kind of see the stuff coming off and you see bits of black bits and things. And I used to have these two black kind of things came down there. It looked like a kind of development of the moustache. And, you know, there was always a bit of black there. Now I go in, it's just white. It's just all white now, right? And it's a... Uh, I don't mind it. I'm glad I don't dye my hair. Um, 
Hi, Fish. Yup, Men's here from Utrecht in the Netherlands. I was wondering where your brand name Chocolate Frog comes from. Oh, oh yeah, somebody asked me about that. There was another question about, you know, what is a Hidfu of Chocolate Frogs? Right. A Hidfu of Chocolate Frogs translates into a head full of chocolate frogs. Right. And it's a kind of Scottish uh, phrase for a heat food chocolate frogs is when you're nuts, when you're crazy, when you can't do anything, when your mind's a mush. I've got a heat food chocolate frogs, I can't deal with this, right? Or you're stupid. It can mean, but it's basically your mind is malfunctioning. And a heat food chocolate frogs is, I always look on as being, you know, when you're completely overwhelmed and you're just not making sense of anything, that's a, that's a heat food chocolate frogs. I've got a heat food chocolate frogs, can I deal with this? And that was why the, the track came about heat food, chocolate frogs, body full of rush, pocket full of shrapnel, and I'm full of bush. And um, I loved it. And uh, people kept on saying, because I, I wanted a kind of Scottish name, you know, a, a Scottish thing going on. And then th that was why Chocolate Frogs became the Chocolate Frog Record Company with the logo thing. And I've always loved it. And I tried to get the, the website the same way as I tried to get fish. Dot com way back before the film in Texas got it right in the early doors and chocolate frogs gone as well so but it's uh, so the, and I just like it it's, it's the chocolate frog record company always attracts attention uh, Martin Jansen hi fish hello John Whitfield listening in the bath in Grimsby well done lads Patrick Riddle hello from Leeds Bob Wallace do you miss the Tyneside Yes, and I'm, I'm kind of, as you all know, with your own local bars, it's like, oh, you know, everybody's trying to open up beer gardens. I mean, Scotland's a little bit behind England, which I'm kind of glad of. Um, I'm, I would rather see, I understand economics, I understand everybody's desperate to get back to work and everything, and uh, but I'm respecting the slow come down. Well, it's not your come down, the slow open up. And uh, the Tyneside, obviously, we've been my local bar, the Tyneside Tavern. It, was, uh, it, it became my kind of local um, way back. It was when I got married for the, the very first time uh, uh, back in 1987. I got married in Harrington because it was the biggest church we could find in the neighbourhood and I wanted to get married in Scotland. And somebody had said to me, you know, why don't you go down the Tyneside? And... Uh, because I'd actually asked, I said, well, before the service, you know, before the ceremony, I said, like, you know, where can I go for a pint? You know, I said, where am I? And, um, and I was, I got caught up. There was too many people outside the church and it was impossible. So, but when I came, moved back, when I moved to Haddington in uh, sort of 1989-ish, and it was 1989, it was like, I went down to the Tyneside and I met Kenny Graham, who was the, the then owner. And it became a local. And, um, but, I mean, things have changed. I mean, I think, you know, when the drink driving stuff happened, you know, that affected a lot of pubs. And, you know, I used to like going down, going down to the Tyneside maybe four times a week or something. And I'd go down there at six o'clock. And we had what, what we used to call the six o'clock club. And there was a bunch of guys. They came from all different walks of life. Some were agricultural engineers. Some guys were accountants, whatever. And... We just kind of round up a period of about an hour and a half on a weekday. People would come in and 
you'd have the bit of banter and the natter and you know you'd have a laugh with a bit of stuff and it was great and we used to do that four times a week and it was actually this on the it's on the company on the uh, the yin or yang album i can't remember which one it's on or the company there's actually a photograph of the, the six o'clock club and it's a few of the characters that were in the photograph sadly have, have, have died but i mean uh the whole six o'clock club thing kind of started to fall apart when they changed the drink driving things because i used to go down there and i used to have two pints of, of 70 which was kind of a, a light beer and I asked, there was a, a police used to drink in there as well, and I asked, where am I on, on this? And I was advised, it's like, if you go up to, up to two, any more than two, you're gonna, up to two, you're riding. So I used to go down two pints of 70 drive home, and then they changed the, the regulations, and suddenly you can't even have a pint. And it kind of killed it, and nowadays it's like, if I want to go down to the town side, I've got a, a taxi down, or walk down and get a cab back. And if you're going down, You've got to go for a session rather than going for just, you know, half an hour and that. So uh, it's kind of changed. But I mean, I still look on the time side as being, you know, my local. It's still the, the, the pub in, in Hannington that I'm most associated with, the same way as Ian Rankin is associated with the Oxford Bar in Edinburgh, you know. Uh, anyway, we move on. Hi, Fish from Wisconsin. Just bit off of the holiday in Milwaukee. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, Dylan Jones, Edith PF is in the same cemetery as, uh, uh, Thomas Spitaler, will you be released a poetry book? Nah. No, I think, you know, a lyric book with explanations or just anecdotes with the lyrics will probably come out at some point, but it's not in my head at the moment, you know? Yeah. Uh, Laura Bittman Ward agreed to go slow. Uh, Stephen Hutchison, Darlington, a wet Darlington. Yeah, it's just the weather here's been rubbish this week. And I think, I think you know, when you're in the house, it's, it's what gets you. So at least when you've got the sun outside, you know, you, you, you can, you're tempted to go out and, and you feel a bit more vibrant, you know. And I think it's been cloudy. I mean, the rain are welcomed on, on the garden, but I mean, all the plants there are going. Oh, the squashes and pumpkins are all kind of just, they've just gone on pause, you know, which is yeah, not good. Let's move on. Jim McCarthy, which is from Ireland. Uh, Paul Richard Davis. I fish. I know my pain, but, that, uh, but what is whispered on the track script for a jester's tear just after you say Born From Sorrow? I've been told it's backwards. I think it's you reading a letter myself. Can you remember? Not only can I remember, well, the only reason that I remember is that when Avril McIntosh and, um, uh, and Andy Bradfield who were doing the, who did a brilliant job on the, the script remaster. Um, Avril was an old friend of mine and stuff. When I was talking, when I was talking to Avril, I said, look, look, I said, there's a piece in there. And I said, I cannot for the life of me remember what I said. And what it was, right, it was a message to my then ex-girlfriend, Kay, who was Kaylee. 
And when we recorded script and we got to that section, I said to Nick Talbot, the producer, I want to put something, I want to put a backward message on, right? And we went in and recorded, and I had never heard it since. Never heard the thing since, and all it was to me was the same as it was to you, just a strange sound at the back. But when Avril did the script album, I said to her, can you pick it off, turn it around, and send it to me? And she did. Mm. And it is a message for me to Key, and it's mine, and it's personal, but it was a kind of sorry thing. It was, uh, and when I heard it, I was quite choked up about it, and I've got no plans for anybody else to hear it. And only my, only Avril and Andy, and Simone and I have heard it, and she heard it, and she was really touched by it, because it was so long ago. And it was, it's really nice, but that is, it's basically a message to Kay was reversed, and you'll never get it unreversed and out of there to hear it, because it's so quiet. Tom Smolinski, 85, backing up Rush. Yes, remember that. Sonia Brook, are there any plans to release Yin and Yang? No. There's some of the stuff from Yin and Yang, because we recorded some stuff, uh, some of the uh, XL tracks and Vigil tracks, we, we, they will go on, they'll come out on the Vigil and internal uh, remasters when they come out next year, which is called, probably about March and April. And I am still, still, waiting on getting a signed piece of paper from Warners to give me permission for the Vigil remaster. Um, it's taken so long, but I'm not rushing. I have Velchmerz ready, primed to go in September, and I won't be working on the Vigil until I get through the Velchmerz section. And um, as I said, Internal XL and Vigil, I'm aiming to get out next March or April. So fingers crossed, but I just wish somebody would just deal with this and uh, da, 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 da. Andy Shelton what was the first big book you enjoyed probably something with a, with a an Edith Blyton book Famous Five or something like that uh, Hi from Glasgow Raymond Petey any chance a complete version Blu-ray of the Lorelei concert will release? It's got nothing to do with me. It's Warner's, right? I have nothing to do with the Merillion stuff, right? With, with the, the Warner stuff. The, you know, I, I'm not in the band. I don't, I'm not signed to Warner's, you know, so I don't have anything to do. So any questions with that, you're just wasting your time asking me because I cannot give you any answers. So, um, Simon Bishop, good evening, sir. Uh, Another collaboration with Tony Banks, Mr. Fish, really, is it true or just what? Tell us more. No, there's no plan to work with Tony. Tony and I exchange Christmas cards every year and it's like, you know, must get together, da-da-da, doing this. Once Velchmelz is finished, I will definitely be sending him down a copy because I think he'll really like it. And, uh, but, you know, there's, there's still plans to work with Tony. I'd love to, I would love to work with Tony again sometime. I think, you know, if, if he was looking for a lyricist for hire, then, you know, no doubt I would be one of the calls, but... Um, so, Chris Berg, Berger, saw you in Cornwall in the 80s, spent all afternoon in St. Austral, <laughs> first and last time on drugs. 
<laughs> right, this is important. So, Chris Burge saw me in Connell in the 80s and spent all afternoon in hospital, first and last time on drugs. And he says, right, this is good. On stage, you had a large spider. Totally frightened me and my mate. No, mate. There's no spider there, kiddo. Uh, nah, I don't remember a spider. Nah, no spider. There was a spider. During the thing, the band, the crew used to wind me up, right? It was one of their wind-ups for me, right? And what they used to do in the days of when we had trusses, before all the lights became computerised, and when it was in the, the, the days of big aluminium trusses hanging above us, they used to put things on a fishing line. The jigsaw that was used from jigsaw, right, was on a fishing line. And so they also had a spider. So during the misplaced childhood section, and I think it didn't really start until the 86, it was like on the, a spider wandered aimlessly. They used to wind me up in the middle of it. So I'd be standing at the micro going, a spider wanders aimlessly within the warmth of a shadow. And they'd drop this toy spider, like a big kind of, well, it was about yawn size. And they used to drop it down and try and dance it on my head. Right, so it wasn't the drugs. There was actually a spider on a fishing line hanging from the front truss and a dinosaur. Did you see the dinosaur? It was in the wings. <laughs> anyway, Federico Rodriguez, hello, Jeff Hodgson. How do you feel now? You've completed your final album. I've not completed it yet. When it's actually in my hand, in my hand, in my hand, and I can take the thing out and put it on the hi-fi, then it'll be, I'll kind of recognise the feeling then, you know. But every kind of motion, every kind of next part of the project that gets done, dusted, ticked off, right? Every time that happens, there is a, a, there's a great sense of completion. And... Uh, and it's moving, you know, it's nice to get things go, yes, that is now done. The mixing is now done, right? The videos will be finished. Miles Scarron, hello, Miles. Miles will be, um, and Rob, hi, Rob. Miles is working on the video for uh, This Party's Over. And, um, oh, it's a cue. Miles is working on the video for This Party's Over just now, which is an animation thing that's coupled with some green screen I did up here with David Barris and Scott Mackay. And uh, so that's the, that's the last of the promo videos to get done. The live material, um, the, there's four live songs which we recorded in 2018. Include, uh, they were all recorded down at Norwich at the University of East Anglia. And that includes a performance of Little Man What Now featuring the majestic Mr. David Jackson on sax, which I'll come back to that question later. And um, it's good. Steve Vances has mixed it. Callum's mastering all the stuff now. Uh, the interview with Will Smith for the Blu-ray is about an hour and 25 minutes long. David's finishing off that in the next few days. David Lamb, who did the Garden of Remembrance video, has done... Uh, he's filmed a 15-minute segment on the making of Garden of Remembrance, which is really interesting. I've got to put some parts to there's another video of uh, Mark Wilkinson uh, talking about the artwork and doing a very special, special piece of work for the last part of the sleeve, but that is a surprise. But it closes the circle, closes the circle. And, um, and 
There's also the making of Weltschmerz and stuff that Scott McKay and Dave Barris and I have done, which is the kind of the comedic element opposed to David Lamb's kind of very artistic side of things. And there's the five to one mix that um, uh, Andy and Avril are putting together, which is sounding great. As I said, I was listening to that last week and it's, it was really cool. I'm not a huge fan of five to ones. I don't really listen to many five to ones, but it was like Simone and I, it was, it was good, it was good. So I mean, everything's kind of coming together. So it's just keeping a hold of all the reins at the moment and making sure that all the, the areas are grouted, you know, so everything, it's all done. So as I said, when it's all complete and I've got a finished unit in my hand and it's come back from the manufacturers on time, then I'm going to be, that's it. Right? And with that, as we're saying, it was, um, this part is over. So it's one of those tech moments. This, this week, I managed to make sure that the remote was where it could be found. So the only screw up so far has been the camera. So now we shall try to work the remote with the disc in the machine over there and find the appropriate song to play for you. This is a song by the artist Fish, and this is called This Party's Over. So it is. Yeah. <laughs> 
just added some beautiful magic to it and it just all popped out and it was just just so more up and more in your face than the last one that's going to be probably the third track releasing off the, the album and that'll be probably in in September when the album comes out as I said the next thing will be Garden of Remembrance that's July the 24th the same day as the pre-order starts for Welsh Melts and then there's um, and then there's the this party's over, which is supposed to come out, like I said, um, you know, on the day the album's released, and uh, hopefully it would be on, should be the tour. <laughs> no idea. So I could see myself, um, you know, with, with the tour. Like I said, we've got no idea from. We're not hearing anything back. Nobody's telling us whether it's on, off. Nobody's making a decision again. It's just the same as March. Some people are saying that there's going to be no uh, areas until, um, no areas to tour until next March, that nothing's going to happen this year. Um, seemingly, they, they did a, a study on that venue. I don't know whether I'm supposed to know this, but I won't mention the name of the venue. But it's, it's a 2,000 capacity venue in London. And uh, it's quite famous. And um, they did a... Um, they did a study on social distancing and they've said on a 2,000 capacity venue they would be allowed to have 150 people in. Right? And I don't think that would even pay the security bill. And, uh, and that's the problem. It's like we cannot go out and play to restricted audiences. I mean, how can you play to 150 people in London and make money unless you hire Wembley and play to your crowd in Wembley? So if you hire a 12,000 capacity venue and play to, you know, thousand people and maybe that's how we've got to do it so it's just the cost of hiring Wembley <laughs> be quite cool though wouldn't it it's like have a t-shirt you know like you know Sheffield Arena <laughs> sold out <laughs> 150 people with masks uh, so hi fish from Las Vegas Pete Russell how you doing Robert Hanna uh, Zoe that's, that's another story Cynthia hello Fred McQueen Ah, I've got a question for you, Fred. It was, um, it was a, I think it was a granddad. Oh, yeah, Fred McQueen. Hi, Fish, tried to ask you last week, were you ever a minor or was the minors just close to your heart with, with how they were treated back in the day? Hello from Trinidad. Hello, ya pan are ye? Um, I'm six foot five. I was never a minor. I was... 
my DNA was such that I was never ever going to become a miner. And um, my granddad was a miner. Uh, on my father's side, uh, his father, my, my paternal grandfather, they were blacksmiths and um, that was kind of their thing. And then my grandmother was from Glasgow. Right? And on my maternal side, uh, my grandmother was, uh, she worked as seamstress things. And my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, William Patterson, who was the guy who fought in World War One, who was the, the guy that Thistle Alley was kind of turned around over. Um, he was the, the, the guy, it was a major experience when I, I wrote the Hull High Wood lyric. Um, that's what really drew me in. But he was a miner. And he was, a, he was what's called a shop man. And he used to work at Orbiston Pit, which is about four miles away from me. And uh, a shop man was a guy that basically they went down at the face and there was a hole drilled in, in the coal face and they put explosives in it. And they retired and did the explosives and they blew the face out and the miners went in and cleared the coal. And obviously, doing that job um, there was a lot of dust and there wasn't anywhere near the kind of protective clothing you know for those kind of working circumstances that are about today and he got uh, pneumonicosis so which is a really terrible infection in the lung but I actually think I believe that William was actually not from anything I've been told but from what I know about the history of where his where the Royal Scots were, and in particular his battalion were in uh, in France at the time, at the High Wood. I have an inkling that he was actually, he was slightly gassed, and I know that two of his friends that served with him were gassed. And I think between that and the pneumonicosis from working in, down the pit, um, I think that's what really took his lungs out. It was, his, his wheeze was something I will never forget. And, uh, and he used to smoke calves in full strength and he used to send me up this, the town when behind my mum's back, go get me, get a pack of calves in full strength for me, son. Keep a change. Didn't tell your mother, right? Didn't tell your mother. And he had all these things. And I always remember he had embassy coupons. For some of you, you probably won't remember because you're far too young, but when you used to buy a pack of cigarettes, you got a little coupon in it and you got five, I think, I, I think it was, five for you got five points for a pack of 20 and i think you got two for 10 or something like that and basically you got embassy coupons and there was an embassy coupon catalog right this is real it's real and you had a catalog where when you saved up all these little coupons from the cigarettes that you bought you could get things from the embassy catalog and i remember my granddad had reams and reams and reams and reams of embassy embassy coupons right but you could do that now, could you? <laughs> so, but my granddad was a miner. And I lived, Dalkeith is a kind of mining market town, although it's a, it's a market town, there's also, there's, there was a lot of mining activity around, around about uh, Dalkeith. And, you know, up to Rosewell, the Lady Victoria pit in Newton Grange, Bilston, which was, which was 1991, uh, when that was all, uh, when that was all kicking off, when the um, when the minor strike happened, that was kind of roughly when I put that internal sl Excel sleeve together, which is the minor 
crucified on the pit wheel, which is the wheel that they bring the cages up and down on. And we were gonna, we were gonna offer, and I think we did offer, Mark and I offered to, uh, to the Kobo to use the artwork at one point, but it was turned down. I can't remember what exactly happened, but it just got lost. But I mean, that was the inspiration behind that thing. And it was a, a kind of a nod back. And like I said, you know, when I went to school, there was a, a lot of the, a lot of the, the, a lot of the, my fellow schoolmates, you know, the fathers were minors. I mean, uh, Moncton Hall was a, a big pit. A lot of the people that, that were at Dalkey Tye, you know, went down Moncton Hall. And, and of course, there's all the pits on this side, you know, towards East Lothian. You've got, you know, Trenent was famous for its pits, which is why you're asking. And, you know, there was Ormiston Colliery. I mean, there were so many collieries around here. Uh, it was incredible, but they've now, as we know, all gone, you know, and we ain't going to be seeing them again. Devon Andruski, good evening. You look really well. Thank you very much. I've got my gardening jacket on. This is for, you know, smart and casual about the garden, just in case we're passing Gardner's World film crew or something. Tusa uh, Martini, hello. Christopher Sandin, hello. Mark Jukowski, greetings from Germany. Uh, Matthew Bennett, hello, Kevin Van Dort, again, uh, blah, 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 Mike Freeburn, <laughs> best brekkie on tour, I think it depends where you are, the best breakfast ever had on tour, probably America, I've, I mean, the first time I went to America, it was like, I couldn't believe what you could get for breakfast, and uh, it was like steaks and everything, and like, and you know, I only, I got really good hotels when I went on promotion tours, right, if I ever went on a promotion tour, then it would be, uh, I would, you know, you, you'd be staying in, in, in top-notch hotels. You, you always made it down for breakfast. I loved it. Um, I was, I used to eat crazy stuff. You know, I love, I loved um, corned beef hash for breakfast. I really like corned beef hash. It, I, it's, for me, it's a Scottish dish, and I found it you could get for breakfast in America. I was like, wow. And um, so, yeah, I love kippers. Kippers for breakfast are a bit of biggie. Um, when I was in Vietnam, when I went out of Vietnam on my own way back in, what was that, 2008, in January 2008, I had four every day. I love four for breakfast, and uh, which is like a big bowl of broth with kind of rice noodles and coriander and chilies, and you can have chicken in it or whatever. Four every day. And I made a point when I went, the, the, I, I arrived in uh, Hanoi, in Vietnam on, uh, I think it was Boxing Day. I flew on Christmas Day and I arrived on, on, on Boxing Day. And um, the very the very next morning I was out and I went up to Old Hanoi and I found out places to have four and I had four. And that was it, that was me for the next, what was there for three weeks? And I loved it. Kippers, four, um, uh, and like I say, corned beef hash. American, but American breakfast in general, the, the eggs. I couldn't get over the fact that you could get all these different types of eggs, like cooked different ways. I love it, it's great. Uh, Al Campbell, my dad was a big smoker. Yeah, that's why I got started. It was, um, my, my dad My dad smoked a lot. My mum, strangely enough, didn't start smoking till probably the 19, late 60s, 70s. In fact, probably it was the 70s. But my dad was always a smoker. He was, he was 60 a day, easy. He was just, he just a chain smoke all the time. 
And, you know, I just remember the fog. I remember there was the office at the garage, at Dick Brothers Garage, which is on the, um, uh, what was it, the New Edinburgh Road. Um, in the morning, there would be, there'd be like the, the post day, my dad's mates and stuff, we'd all get together in this little office in the garage and they'd all have coffee. It was, it was you know, like when the garage opened at eight o'clock in the morning, they were all there around about nine o'clock. And, you know, if you went into the, the office at that time, you, you could it, literally, it was cutting it with a knife. It was like the smoke was so dense and they were just drinking Nescafe coffee and just smoking cigarettes. And it was like everybody was passing the packets around in those days, you know. Uh, and uh, that's what got me into smoking, but it was, uh, that was one of the things I wish I'd, I'd, I hadn't gone into smoking. It was, uh, it's, it's, I, I, I've, the way it affected my voice over the years, the way it affected my lungs and stuff, and just generally, it's, uh, you know, but back then it was cool. It was, it was, so many things back then it was okay it wasn't frowned upon and you know and it was accepted and you know it wasn't until you know today but now you know even this isn't that great but this is better than smoking I, when i was up to 40 a day easy you know and if i was doing interviews like when i'm in a situation like this when i've got to talk and i've got to think about kind of what i'm saying what i'm talking and da -da -da, blah 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 then I, I need that thing. I need something to hold on to. No. I've lost my feet for a minute. Steve Fryer, hello from sunny York, Shropshire. Shropshire, it's the teeth again, it's the teeth. Reloading page. Come on. Come on. Coming back up, coming back up, here we are. Tusso de Martini, kippers for breakfast. Hello, kippers for breakfast, mummy dear, mummy dear. What are your thoughts? Oh, missed that one. Why take this up? Do I like haggis, Raymond Van Jeek? Yeah, I love haggis. Haggis, neeps and tatties is one of the all-time greats. If you've got a hangover, haggis, neeps and tatties next day is just brilliant. And it's also great if you're going out drinking and you're, you're going out for a real session. Haggis, neeps and tatties before you go out. You know, it's great. I love it. It's full of iron, all the necessary things. But... And the vegetarian haggis is actually pretty good. I mean, I've, I've eat, I will willingly eat the vegetarian haggis. Who uh, fish? Have you ever tried a garbage breakfast in the USA? Valdez. Oh, where were you? Valdez Sundquist. No, don't know what that is. Uh, what's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in Twitter? I missed it was. <laughs> listen, that's that's an entire series. Weird things I've seen in tour. Mum smoked Super Kings. My dad smoked Benson Edges, which was, and I got into Benson and Edges. And uh, when I was working in forestry, I used to smoke Embassy Regals. And then when I became a musician, I went back to Benson Edges. And Ian Mosley and I, right, Ian Mosley and I were terrible for the Benson and the Hedges, mum. And um, and it was you know, when we went out to America, I didn't realise it was a different type of Benson Edges and a different tobacco across there than the one that we got over here. 
and the closest I could find it there was Dunhill. But Ian was always a Benson Edges man. But I, I followed the Benson Edges, the gold packet, when you see him as my dad. Tony Tom Smith, what are your thoughts on bootlegs? Have you got any of your gigs? I've got lots of bootlegs and gigs. Um, that was one of the reasons why I put out the official bootleg series. Um, well, it was a couple of reasons, but I mean, you know, bootlegs, I kind of figure, I mean, I'm like everybody else. I mean, I remember chasing down a Floyd bootleg when I was in Germany for the first time as a kind of uh, an adult. And when I was out on a forestry course, when I was, it was 1978, I think it was. And, um, and I remember chasing the, in, in the comic Kuhutek or something, and it was a Floyd bootleg. And I remember, I think it was, I think I could have been in Hanover, or it was Hanover or Bielefeld, one of the two. And um, anyway, so I, I found this bootleg, I paid about 15 quid for it, which was a lot of money back then. And it was not very good. And most of the bootlegs, I've got a couple that are kind of good recordings. Most of them are from the desk, you know, a desk recording. But I mean, um, I've never gone out and bought bootlegs, you know, since then. You know, there's a couple of things I've been interested in that I've picked up because of the desk tapes, right? And, um, but that's why we put the official bootleg series out, because it was like, A, I can pay my musicians a bit extra money for the bootleg going out, because... A bootleg, they don't pay the publishing, they don't pay anything. It's, it's just basically the guy takes a tape and make, creates a piece of vinyl or, or back then or a CD and then that's it. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of changed. Again, you know, it's, it's, you know, back then it was even to take microphones into a gig, which I never did. But, I mean, you know, I mean, back in the early 80s, you know, you get people that were trying to record, you know, they'd buy two seats in the balcony and put wires across and have microphones to get a stereo recording. I mean, you know, you catch them easy. But nowadays, like, the recording devices are so small and, and all the rest of it. But the bottom line is, you will never get a great recording when you're standing in the middle of a crowd with somebody singing, you know, the lyrics or screaming or shouting or talking to their girlfriend next to you, you know? So that's why we put the official bootlegs out. So we're like, okay, well, there's a decent recording. You want a recording on that tour? The set lists are pretty much the same. I've never got into downloads to, to do those live downloads, like, for example, Marillion do. Because, A, it's like... I'd have to do deals with all the different musicians. The quality control is difficult to kind of monitor, et cetera, et cetera. That's why I just tend to put out, you know, if we do a tour, there's a live album that's pretty definitive for the tour. But I mean, I don't kind of get off on the idea of, you know, I want the gig that I was at and putting up, you know, 40 live, uh, live broadcasts or, or, or live downloads. I'm not into it. And another problem with downloads, I mean, some people have asked about the downloads on the site. We have had problems with downloads on the sites in, in the past. It has been rectified. It's not being done at the moment because we're focusing on basically that, the mail order side, which is for kind of physical items. The downloads as well are a pain because, um, you know, I don't sell that many. And, you know, I mean, it's, you're talking about, you know, in a month, you know, maybe five downloads or something, because most of the downloads are already up there on other sites, you know. And uh, and the, one of the problems is that with VAT, because we're VAT registered, 
because you have to pay VAT on downloads, you've got to pay it in every individual country. So if you sell, you know, two downloads to Germany, you've got to pay the VAT on those two downloads to Germany and it goes into a fund. But you've got to actually write down and, and you've got to get all the copy about where all the downloads went to every individual country, whether and it becomes, you spend more money on accountancy, you know, dealing with the VAT element than you actually earn on the downloads, which is kind of, we don't, we, I think we're going to go ahead with it, but at the moment, it's not our main concern. It'll probably come up, back up, but it's, uh, but I mean, VAT rules are going to change soon anyway. So, uh, I mean, everything's changed. I mean, I was saying about the Royal Mail, you know, just with the, the new setup we've got, I mean, the changes, I mean, you know, when we sell send packages now to anywhere outside the UK, they've got to have custom stickers and CN22 forms signed, you know, like everywhere now. So thank God we've set this up when we've set this up with the Weltschmerz pre-order happening on uh, July the 24th, you know. It's geared up for dealing with a whole new regimen. I mean, the Brexit thing, whatever, I disagree with it. Other people have different opinions. It's, um, you know, with that happening, that's created a, a, there's a lot of chaos in there. Nobody's sure what's happening, so it's all this. Anyway, let's move on. Vegetarian Agus is also known as Scurly. Love it, Steve Welsh. Kevin Van Dort, I smoked Marlboro Red. Brave man. <laughs> That's the one cigarette I, I try to avoid at all costs. The Marlboros, couldn't handle them in America. Oh, Alan Pierbell's question. When are we going to get NXS stories? And if you like the doors, try the tea party. Yeah, I've heard the tea party. Yeah, they're quite good. That was quite a while, but when they were about... I think, were they a Canadian band? Can't anyway. So, NXS. It's not so much an NXS story as it was, um, I've got to get this right, it was Talk Talk. And what happened was that back in the days of the Chernobyl incident, right, all the gigs that summer were taken from the outdoor fields because of the dust that was coming from Chernobyl, that was coming across from Ukraine, etc., um, It was lying. And what they didn't want was having, you know, 100,000 people on an area where they'd be kicking up dust. And obviously there's the problems, with the, the, the fallout, etc. So they moved all the gigs indoors. And one of the gigs, one of the festivals we had that year was a festival down in Munich. So they shifted it into... Um, they shifted it to some huge indoor place. And it's, that's a strange story with this. But um, uh, NXS were, were on the bill, but they were quite low down. And Talk Talk, I, can't, I think Talk Talk were headlining. We weren't headlining. And, uh, and there, was, there was a kerfuffle that happened backstage between NXS and Talk Talk. And it had something to do with one of the members of Talk Talk I'd thrown a, uh, a glass of gin in Michael Hutchinson's face for no other reason apart from sheer badness, right? It wasn't even an argument. It was kind of like, oh yeah, what are you drinking, mate? Poof, ah, ah, Didn't go down well with the Australians, right? So there was a little bit of a kind of kickoff happening here, right? And it was a bit fractious backstage. We weren't really involved in it. 
And um, we did the gig, and it was, it was a great gig. It was indoors, and actually, I bumped into my wife Simona at that gig, which is a completely other story that will be reserved completely for the autobiography. But um, by pure accident, and we didn't really know each other. We had no kind of tie or anything like that. But she was at that gig. But anyway, we go back to NXS Talk Talk. So we go back to the hotel, the Holiday Inn in, in, in Munich, as always. Everybody stayed all the time. It was the Holiday Inn, you know. And, uh, and it was, um, I must say, all the time the Holiday Inn. It was the bloody Hilton. And um, we went back to the Hilton and the MTV were throwing a party for everybody, right? So there was this beer garden and this big party going on. Meanwhile, what we'd been told, right, was that Talk Talk, and especially Mr. Hollis, who had a, a, bit, a reputation for being a really heavy drinker, had taken out with EMI Belgium, right, a few nights before, and they'd basically gone out with the managing director, EMI Belgium, and um, they went out with a big nighttime evening session in a restaurant that went on and on and on. And the EMI guys were absolutely smashed by Talk Talk. I mean, they were like, they had a, they had a big reputation as being a heavy drinking band at the time, as had Marillion. And, uh, and of course, somebody had said to them, like, Talk Talk had said, yeah, well, nobody can outdrink us, like, da da da, we can take anybody on. And somebody in Belgian EMI said, you should actually, like, look at Marillion as you think they could probably do it, especially the big singer boy, right? So it was one of them kiddie gloves were thrown down, you know what I mean? And anyway, we all met up in Munich and then somebody from Talk Talk insulted somebody from EMI who was a really good friend of, of the band's, right? And we heard about it and it was all getting gone off. And in excess, we're spoiling for it. And in this big party that MTV were, were throwing, Basically, we were all siding with excess and ready to take on Talk Talk in a square goal. <laughs> and I'm standing there, we're standing there with these the, the silly guys. I can't remember who they were. The bass player was one of them for definite. And we're all saying, let's go out and sort them out. And basically, the next thing we had these huge minders came up. And as I mentioned before, I, I knew a lot of these kind of guys. And the two guys that came up went, hi, for sure you doing? Uh, right, so look, we know we've got a problem. And talk talking in the background, going like, nah, 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 yeah, we got our boys. None of us were carrying security. The only people carrying security were talk talk, right? And, um, and we were all, there's a, like a line of us going like, you know, look, we're enough. He said, they're arseholes, right? And we did a deal, and they, the guy said, we slip fish. He said, if this is going to kick off, it's going to get really, really ugly, and we don't know where this is going to go. So can we just avoid it? And I said, look, I don't, we don't want anything to happen. But you guys, so we'll do a deal, put them in their beds, right? And that's what they did. And the security guys took them all up and put them in their hotel rooms and put them out of bed and they were warned not to come out again. And we were all sitting down there. And it was like me, one of the NXS guys, kept them, were phoning up Mark Hollis's room every hour going, ah, chicky. Anyway, so that was the next session. Really nice guys, but I didn't, I met Michael Hutchins very briefly, really nice guy, but the band were, were diamonds, absolute diamonds. But I mean, that was really the only time that I bumped into NXS. But it was a very funny night in Munich. And, uh, but it was uh, this, yeah. We were all young back then, you know. So, John Waters, Camel Unfiltered. John Galante, hello from Toronto, Canada. Yep, Tea Party Canadian Band from Windsor, Ontario. I love it when my mind kicks in, you know. Not dead yet. 
Do you remember playing Pool and Blair Gowrie, Callum Morrison? There, after just what I said, no, I don't remember playing Pool and Blair Gowrie. Unless that was when, on the Down the Glass sessions. Teepai, uh, teepai. Talk Talk, I love Talk Talk. I mean, I really like, there was, like I said, there was 1986 and, and I bumped into them later on. And they were really nice guys. And like We were all going through our well period back then. And it was interesting because Talk Talk were a massive band on EMI, as were Marillion at the time. And of course they had you know, a string of, I mean, what some brilliant songs, some great albums. And um, it was, uh, when I left Marillion, I did the Vigil album with EMI, but Polydor were basically, they wanted me to sign a Polydor, they knew, I was unhappy, unhappy with EMI, and it was a guy called David Munns who was, uh, he was managing director, looking after Polydor at that time, and he wanted me, and he brought Talk Talk over, because they wanted to turn Polydor into like being seen as being a serious album kind of record company, and Talk Talk and myself both joined Polydor at roughly the same time, within about six months each other, and both of us floundered at Polydor. Both of us, it never happened, it never worked. And it was like EMI lost two big kind of, dare I say, kind of flagship units across the Polydor, but they, they never happened. And I never saw Talk Talk ever again. I think the last album I got was Spirit in Eden or Eden or whatever it was. But I, I liked the music, you know, but I never, I never brushed in them again, but that was the story, that was the Talk Talk story. Yeah, and Mark Hollis, RIP, you know, it was sad to see him go, you know. He had a fantastic voice. Uh, really unusual. Yeah, anyway. Yo, Bushka, hello, Manuel Adidas, hello. Christopher Sundin. Peter, Pierre Van Ness, Sabine Brignall, you tell someone, da da da. I've not written memoirs yet. Memoirs happens after I've finished the tour and in 2023 or wherever it is now. God bless the doctor. God bless the doctor. Uh. Uh, sorry, Wade Smith, do you think the quality of streaming platforms, the gates, all the hard work put in by Callum and everybody? Um, ah, streaming, I don't, I, I do what I do. You know, I don't kind of, the, the streaming stuff, I would never pander you know, a project towards streaming. I, I still put an album together and it is to be listened to, as far as I'm concerned, as an album. If people choose to listen to tracks by track, that's fine, that's cool. But I make an album and, you know, I think with the streaming stuff, it does give bands that excuse to put track by track by track. But then again, I did Parley with Angels. And if I hadn't done Parley with Angels, then if that hadn't come out and, and done what it did, then... I wouldn't have had that, I wouldn't have had that stepping stone. I needed a stepping stone at that time to take me through. And what James Cassidy did were, were uh, Seven Hertz and taking me into that digital world and having the stream and having Spotify, then, you know, it was a beautiful stepping stone to move forward. And I'm absolutely blunt about it. I mean, Parley with Angels, what, you know, we only had, we've only printed 7,000 copies of which there's only about 1,000 left and with the different mixes of those songs. And if I hadn't done that at the time, then financially we could have been hitting a wobble 
and, and at the end of 19. And that gave us, a, it just gave us a little bit of energy to, financial energy to just keep it moving. So it was great. And for people that got it, thank you. I mean, it's, you know, after Velchberts, it'll probably be a collector's item. Uh, Val Sidquist, any more funny stories about growing up in Dalkeith? I was born and raised in Bonnerig, left in the 90s. Fond memories. Wow. Yeah, I've got there's, I've got loads of stories with, with Dalkeith and stuff, but it's uh, I'll keep them. It's uh, Del Allo. Um Del Allen. Del Hanlon. It's, yeah. There'll be a lot of stuff coming out. I mean, there's, there's whole areas to, to be written about that are not, they're kind of funny and relevant. They'll come out when they come out, but I'm not doing, you know, the, the Dalkeith session. No. Michael Ward, how's Tara doing? Very well, thank you very much. She popped in very briefly to say hello the other day. And it's always strange, as you well know, it's like, you know, being socially distant from, you know, the people you love who are involved in other households and stuff. So. It's really strange when you're standing two, three metres away from people going, love you, babe, bye. Oh. So. Oh, Daniel Ward. <laughs> Stand up in the corner. When are you going to have a reunion tour with Marillion? Tour together, solo official Marillion show, then you can encore together. I would pay large US dollars to see that. No. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. It was suggested years and years and years ago about doing something like that, but it ain't going to happen now. It's like, you know, I'm on my own route, my own path. They're on their written path. They're kind of... I got a, a message the other day from them about uh, the Fugazi album because Warner's want all the bits for the Fugazi album together by September. And I said, don't even bother phoning me until the end of July because I'm too wrapped up and Weltschmerz takes precedent over anything that's, that's happening on, on that side. So, uh, but, so you know, the Fugazi remaster is being thought about and it is moving forward at some point, but both Mark Wilkinson and I are totally tied up with Elchmerz until at least mid to the end of the July. So, and, uh, you know, yeah, let's just leave it at that. Well, Martin Longbottom, did you cash that gold tooth you had extracted a couple of years ago? No, it didn't. I've still got it, along with some other sort of weird stuff, right, that's all kicking around in drawers. So I still have the gold tooth. It was a big chunk of gold, and it was put in my tooth in Bucky when I was in the Forestry Commission, and I was staying at a, a Boggs, what was it called? Boggs Cottages. And um, that was the, my address. Derek Dick, Boggs Cottages. And it was near, where was it near? It was just outside Bucky. Port Gordon was the nearest wee village. You could walk over the hill at the back of the, the, the place we lived in. I lived with a couple of guys, Bert Noon and uh, Tony, who works in forestry as well. And if you walked over the back of the hill, you could go down to Port Gordon. And um, it, that was a wee fishing village. And then Bucky further along was the big fishing town. And uh, so, yeah, so I mean, I've got fond memories of, of, of that time. But it's, uh, Yeah, Phil Turner, you have a great memory for somebody who drank a lot. It's weird, I've got, I've always been blessed with a, a really good memory and it kind of scares me because I think one of my biggest fears is losing it, which is, you know, I think, you know, when you're aware of kind of, you know, when you get older, you are going to forget things and there are other monsters beyond that dark bridge. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, been, I've always been, I've always had a pretty good memory. 
But photographs I find really helpful, which is why I take a lot of photographs of my phone and the, the Nikon. You know, when I go out on the road, you know, having the Nikon, although it has, because the iPhones have got so much better. Um, but having those, all those photographs, when I, can, when I see a photograph, I can remember what was happening around it, the feelings that were going, and a lot of detail that surrounded that. So I'm kind of lucky with that. Well, well. Sabine Brignall, can you please send me a signed picture for my brother in Seattle? Sabine, no, I don't do that. It's like, I, I don't send out signed photographs. It was a thing from another generation, another music industry, and it's like, I just can't do it. It's, it's impossible, you know? It's like, the cost of the 10 by 8 photograph, the envelope, the postage, and then going through it all. And if somebody wants one, then somebody else wants one, and somebody else wants one, and da da da. And um, that's why I, I don't do it. It's nothing, I don't mean to be causing any offence or disappoint anybody, but like, I just don't send them, you know. And um, and the Velschmitz album, before anybody asks, I cannot sign these before they go out. They will not be signed for going out. Don't even ask. It's like, because we, I know, are going to be overrun and we just don't have the time to start separating things out and signing them and all the rest of it. So it's like the Velschmitz album will be going out virgin-like within playing film. So. Ricardo Marchese, hello. Vislav Jastrebski, hi Fish, I'm watching you in Berlin now. Yay. Oh. Javier Arias, Costa Rica, great place, love that place. I had a couple of great weeks down there, uh, traveling about the island. I did a gig there once. We played it. We played a gig in San Jose uh, way back when the South American tours. There was hardly anybody at it. We flew in in the middle of the night and did the gig and basically flew out so early in the morning. We, we might as well have been playing in Birmingham with heat. Uh, Marcelo Lima, for all you guys who keep asking about Talk Talk, go educate yourselves, learn a thing or two. It's an amazing band. They were really good. And they were very, they were, they were very like Marillion in, in their approach. It was like, you know, this is what we do. And, you know, when everybody wanted them to carry on and to basically go through the formula, they didn't and they moved on. That's Spirit of Eden. It's some really interesting stuff. It's challenging. Some of it's really challenging, but it's very clever. And Hollis was a very clever man. Christian Drusen, what happened to your fish earring? I got rid of the earring years ago. It was it just kept, especially when I started wearing scarves on stage. And I wear scarves on stage because if you wear a hat, you know, it's not that I'm, I'm hiding the baldness, but I mean, uh, if it was something to stop the sweat because there's nothing to stop the sweat coming down straight into my eyes. And... I'm forever cleaning it. And I didn't want to keep on reaching down for a towel all the time in front on the monitor wedges. So every time you reach down, I brush your head and stuff like that. And that was one of the reasons why I started wearing the scarves because it was just useful to just wipe your head, wipe your face, clear your glasses or whatever. And the scarves kept on catching the earrings. And the number of times, you know, after a gig, you know, I'd be asking one of the crew, if an earring went down, you know, just off my wedge, can you, can you find it, you know? And that's, I just stopped wearing it. So I, I wear studs. I don't wear the fish ones now, but I wear studs. And as I said, the last earrings I got made up, which I answered in a previous Fish and Friday, was um, 
the last year it was made in the Great Frog in Carnaby Street and they were made about 1984 or something like that. Even, it might even be 85. But I've, I've never worn them since. There's only one or two, I think I've only got one or two in those, the mystery drawers full of like knacks and nicks and nicks and stuff like that. So, tell you what, why don't I play you a wee bit? This is the, the new version of Stick, Man with a Stick. Go, go, go.
The remix of Mama is Sick, and some of you have already noticed it. I mean, you're hearing it down a, um, you're hearing it down an iPhone. It's uh, it's all, it's very different, very vibrant. And that was um, Liam brought my brought my dinner. It's uh, lamb chops, lamb chops, rice, and special rice. Hmm, he's a great cook. It's great in his house. It's the three of us all like cooking, and uh, Liam steps up to the plate. Um, literally, he steps up to the plate and does it. But we're moving to the end. Hour and forty, and uh, interesting man with the stick. There's so many songs in this album, on the Velvet's album. I'm convinced that eventually somebody's going to point the big finger at me, and they will burn me at the stake. There's so many songs in this album that are kind of suddenly, wow, different meaning. I mean. Middle section of Man with a Stick. I mean, I already said to Mark that, you know, when I was watching what was going on 
in the world, you know, in the, the last seven days, and seeing those lines of officers with batons and things, and you know, drawn up, and uh, and some people taking an evil way out. But it's um, yeah, seeing that and and on on images on the on the screen over the last week, it was kind of it kind of hit me as well. You know, just grace of God, hospital, etc., etc., etc. You know, it's yeah. He's a witch. He's a witch. Well, I found this. Uh, I, I was given this. Stuart James sent me these. He was living in Moscow at the time, and he gave me these. Right? It's the, the Russian doll, right? And it's it's all wrong, right? So you open up the fish. Very, very good-looking little fish man. Looking real cool there. Ah. There, Steve Rothery. Look at Steve. He's a pretty boy, isn't he? He's a pretty boy, right? So Steve was another big gentleman, and then you open up, and there's Pete. And there's little Pete Travis, looking, looking more like Frodo, like than anything else, like a little Frodo creature, right? Little Pete. How do you think? Like, what? Pete's the smallest in the band. So why is Ian? Ian, little tiny man, little tiny Ian mostly, right? And then finally. Inside Ian, right, is a little tiny Mark, little tiny Mark Kelly. It's all wrong. That should be Peter Wavis on that one. And I don't think, I think because we never toured Russia, so never, everybody was looking at the band photographs. So on the band photographs, Peter Wavis did actually stand on telephone books at a lot of those lineup shots in the, the very early days. On the script tour, he definitely stood on telephone books. And when we used to do like video shoots and things like that, you'd have to stand and things. It was like Yul Brynner in The Magnificent Seven. Some of you may know that, but you know, anyway. And that is the little doll. I, I can't. So let's put Ian back. And we'll put Ian back into, Ian goes back into Pete. And Pete goes back into Steve. And they all go back inside me. And there you are. Perfect Christmas present for your Marillion loving friend. Uh, it's a headband, baldness denial. Uh. And so, as I said, good fresh. Liam, thank you very much for the food. Um, everything's good, good. As I said, the. The mail order thing is, is open now, but uh, please be gentle and please be really understanding. Um, it's important to be patient. It's like Simona is, is coming to terms where everything brand new, so please be patient. Um, you'll deal with it. Sorry. What did you say? I said thank you very much for the food. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. You didn't high five me. It was noticed. I put a hand up for high five and you left me hanging. What, you thought I was going high? I thought you were going to hail. Hail, oh yeah, hail. Hail the chef. So, as I said, it's open, but just be patient. You know, there is COVID out there, the mail, the mail order systems, there's some people um, have been asking, like after ordering for a week in America, like, it doesn't go that fast. And um, But now we've got the electronic customs data stickers, now we've got the CN22s, if you're from Brazil, 
you should be able to go on and this should all work and it was the packages you sail through customs now rather than getting caught in customs houses and sent back to us right um all the other various bits if you order signed and tracked for now for you if you've ordered tracked a, a tracked for an item a signed and tracked package tracked and signed package you will be sent your your tracking number when you when you order when the order is going you'll be sent your tracking number lots of different little things that are all going to make it a lot easier but as i said please just be patient we're going through this there's things happening things will you know just go with us it's open and it will run this week i'm going to be getting the album back I've got the video with Dave Barris, I've got loads of other stuff to do, it's never ending. I've got demands from the garden like you wouldn't believe. I'm hoping the sun is going to shine and at least get my plants standing upright. So, another week has gone by. Um, your t-shirts are in the post, ha! And uh, hopefully my t-shirt designed for Fish and Friday is on its way as well. So, I hope you're all okay. I hope uh, everything's been kind of cool for you this week, you know, for those uh, further south of where I am, you know, you're getting your lockdown eased a little bit faster. We are taking it a bit slower. So be it. Um, as I said, I'm just going to carry on with life as it is and deal with everything. I'm not stamping my feet. I'm not getting upset. Uh, I'm keeping myself buoyant. I'm keeping myself up. I'm keeping myself busy. And uh, I'm lucky to have great family around. Um, it's Father's Day soon, which is going to be weird again. But that's another thing I'll deal with next week. But until next week, I will be back. I'm sorry I didn't put up a notice saying that I'd be here, but I'll remember next time. And we'll have, I'll have lots, lots more news for you next week as well. So until next week, thank you for watching Fish and Friday and listening to an old man ramble. Um, uh, take care, stay sane, stay healthy and stay alive. Okay? Watch after yourselves. Bye.